Welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Gavin. And, well, it's a, it's another busy old show, lots to cover. First up, from Gav, give me your baby and sleep deprivation update, please. The baby's sleeping fine and I'm sleeping less fine. Okay. So a little bit, a little bit weary at the moment, but uh, it's going quite good. Yeah, she's settling down. She's very, uh, she's very long and has very long fingers and toes, so she's going to be a great epiest. Or swimmer. Or a swimmer. I don't know which one earns more money. Probably the swimmer. Probably. So uh, we'll go for that one then. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Or basketball. Or basketball, but I don't know. I don't know how much money there is in Scottish basketball. Let's put it that way. Mm, yeah. Good point. Okay. So thanks to. Follow up on from last time. We're talking about um, Alistair Usmanov um, yeah. trying to buy Arsenal for a, a measly one billion quid. Um, yeah, chunk change. So that seemed like a lot of money to me. Mm-hmm. I guess it would to most people. So I did a quick check on how much he's worth. And apparently he would hardly miss a billion pounds at all. Current estimates on his, his value range between uh, 15 and 20 billion dollars. Which means that the money that he's throwing at the fencing is literally pocket change. Yeah, he'll he'll not miss that no. even in the slightest. Um, no, no. We were kind of guessing that he's put about yeah maybe ten million euros a year into fencing, yep. something that makes a huge difference to fencing. Mm-hmm. But he could do that just based on his current wealth, just sort of frittering it away for the next one and a half thousand years. Yeah, but I said to thank Alisher for throwing us his uh, his pocket change. I think it's a lovely thing to do. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I am extremely grateful. Yeah. Anyway, so other bits that we found uh, since the last episode, we're wondering what. Gauthier Grumet, our, mm-hmm. our French accountant hero, uh, yes. has been up to <laughs> since the Olympics. And there was a little piece on French television that he's, he's turned to coaching. Yeah, and uh, pentathlon? Certainly the clip that they had was him coaching one of the penta- uh, French pentathlon team, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, I actually thought he was going to be the assistant coach for uh, Hugh Aubrey. That's what I thought he was going to do. Oh, what, he would go to China with yeah, him? Yeah, go, go to China with him, but obviously ah, not, right. not if no, he's still... Like it, yeah. yeah. Learning the ropes in France, maybe he'll end up there. Yeah, but... Yeah, interesting bit of news anyway. Uh, what else did we find? Oh, yes, uh, more more good stuff from Better Fencer, mm-hmm. um, our website. Uh, not our website, sorry, what am I saying? <laughs> so a website that we like. Yes. Very much, and it had a, a really good article, How to Stop Your Fencing Kit from Smelling Bad. Yeah. Now, I took it. I took umbrage at this because uh, I reserve the right to have extremely foul-smelling kits. It's part of my, my tricks as an editor. All right, for, for a moment there, I thought you were going to you were gonna take umbrage at that because you thought your kit didn't smell and I was going to have to break some no. really bad news to you. No. Everyone knows my kit smells bad. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's just one right. of the ways in which you can uh, stun your opponent. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, an epi was looking to reduce the variables and take control of it, and I think gassing your opponent is just a quality trick to play. It's going to come as a surprise, certainly, for someone who's not fenced you before. Exactly. Yeah. Once I have, of course, arrived, yeah. sort of prepared with a, a clothes yeah. peg to put on their nose. Yeah. And, and, and just a wee tip to like fencers out there is if you have a cat, if you encourage it to pee in your kit, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do remember your cat Yeah, doing that a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know, it uh, it just added an extra something yeah. to your already horrific <laughs> kit odour. Yeah. I, I did actually take a lot of pleasure in uh, destroying my bag that was destroyed by <laughs> that cat because it smelled so bad. I thought for a moment there you were going to say you took great pleasure in destroying your cat, oh, no, which is going to no. seem a bit of an overreaction. No, I mean, offensive kit's expensive, but yeah, that would have been going too far, I think. Uh, listen, I couldn't have destroyed that cat if I wanted to. It was a huge bugger. Seriously <laughs> massive. <laughs> you didn't fancy your chances. Yeah. It was, well, I, I did have a joiner around one day and he. He did comment that it was a small collie. <laughs> anyway, um, what else have we got? Oh, yes, um, there's a new podcast about fencing. Yes. We're no longer as unique as we thought we were. The, the, the only voices in the world talking about this. But yeah, uh, Sabre Coach Kate, uh, she's, I can't remember the name of her. Is it just Sabre Coach Kate Talks to people? What's the name of her uh, podcast? Yeah, just Sabre Coach Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, available on iTunes and podcast hosted on Libsyn. Yeah. Uh, and did an interview with uh, American uh, Sabre coach uh, Ariane Klinkov. A really good interview. Yeah, uh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think she's just put a second episode out. Don't quote me on that. But I think she has. You might be right, actually, uh, mm-hmm. but I've not listened to it yet. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, it was a good start and I enjoyed yeah. it. So yeah. You should check it out. Yeah. yeah, so nice to see somebody else from the fencing world going into podcasting. Yeah. Cool. We approve. Yes, we do. Uh, and then there's obviously, I, I came across an article from the FIE about uh, learning to coach. There was advice from uh, Suppressor. Yep. I thought it was just a generic article until I actually went and had a look at the site, and it turned out it was the FIE's Athlete Resource Hub, which was called... The Athlete Learning Gateway. Yeah, and it turned out there was an absolute mountain of stuff in there, which I had no idea about until this week. Yeah. 
I'd, I'd spotted it before. It was, I think it was launched at the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the run up to, run up to the Olympics. Uh, but I must admit, I'd kind of forgotten about it. So like you, I went and had a bit more of a look and there's an absolute ton of resources in there and uh, stuff on psychology and nutrition and, um, how to prepare better, how to cycle your training, uh, how to promote yourself as a, as a brand to attract sponsors. Oh, loads of stuff. Career paths to follow once you, once you retire from competition. Yeah. And it's just, Loads, loads of things in there, all really useful and and, and very interesting. So um, it's not yeah. it's, it's not all fencing. Just to be clear, it, it, there's actually other stuff in there, which is just like management and yeah. All I mean, there's a lot, a lot of it's sort of generic sports advice. Yeah, but quite a bit, quite, quite a bit specific to fencing as yeah. well. Yeah, and if you're a fencer or a coach, it's you know you, you should really be trying to learn from the best resources that you can that are out there. Yeah, well, let's face it. So in the past, it was a sort of dearth of resources online, mm-hmm. and it was really hard to find anything out about fencing or like sport in general, actually. Yeah. And now it's much easier. This, this is a good thing. Yeah, having having it all in the one place, mm-hmm. very very useful. Should we talk about the big news, the, the proper big news, the proper big news today? Yes. Uh, where are we? We're recording the ninth of June. 9th of June, yeah. And the IOC announced that there will be six team events for the Tokyo Olympics, uh, which is. Marvelous. Uh, brilliant news, yeah, yeah. Great news for fencing. So two extra sets of medals. Uh, for the last four Olympics, we've had all six individual events, uh, but only four team events, uh, basically since the introduction of women's sabre. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get the, the full works yeah. for, for Full Buna, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, uh, I know we heard about this a while back. There was a rumour going around, but yeah, it wasn't um, official. You know. Greg, Greg Massiella spoke about it when I interviewed him in Paris, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, the FIE were negotiating hard to, to, mm-hmm. to try and get a full set of medals uh, yeah. for fencing at the Olympics and it looks like they've, they've managed to get that done so that's uh, well done FIE and it's, it's uh, fantastic. a great and result yeah. so if anybody wants to send us to Tokyo to cover the first full set of fencing events you know you know, we'd I, like to hear from you yep I would certainly consider that yeah I think I've always wanted to go to Tokyo yeah me too actually cultural hub and all that you know learn about the history and everything like that not just to watch the fencing for however many days yeah we do that as well though Oh, aye, definitely. <laughs> okay, so I mentioned last time that I had a had a good interview for this this episode because it crossed my mind that while I've had increasing enthusiasm for watching Saber, mm-hmm. and I'd spoken to John Salfield and Francis Chow about things to look out for in Saber, I hadn't actually done an interview with um, an international Sabreur. So with a little help from our, our friends at Lee and Paul, I got in touch with world number five and winner of the Women's Saber World Cup in New York, Cecilia Berdy of France, and here's what she had to say. Hi Cecilia, uh, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Hi, hi Fencing Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to speak to you because um quite new to watching Sabre, uh, really only started this season and I've, I've really enjoyed watching the women's Sabre in particular and I've been struck how, how strong the, the women's French squad looks. So I wanted to ask you how the, how the French squad train. Do you, do you train all together or do you train in different places? How does it work? Yes, we train together. We are about uh, 12 girls in the center of Paris. It's called INSEP. Mm, yeah. It's a big center. We can find all the Olympic sports like uh, I don't know, judo, taekwondo, wrestling, uh, fencing. Uh, so we are about 12 girls with the sable team, women. And there is also 12 boys with the sable team. So it's very interesting to, to, to fence with uh, the best girl in France and the best boy uh, too, because we, it's uh, always a pleasure to share about our sport. Yeah. So do the, do the men and women train together? Do you fence together? Or is it separate? Yeah. We have some, sometimes we have uh, some training we can share. Uh, during the, the, the fencing part, uh, we can share with our coach. And during the match, sometimes we can fence with boys because I think it's interesting for, for girls to practice with boys because the faster, it's faster, it's harder, yeah. and we have to, to be at the level to, to, to be better. And for the boys, maybe it's slower, but they can practice our technique, yeah. uh, their techniques. So it's 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 interesting. So, some boys don't like plays with girls, yeah. uh, but I think it's a mistake. It's a mistake in his career, and it's very interesting to to share uh, and to practice with boys. Excellent. Um, so who is it that uh, is in in control of the uh, of the saber squad? 
Yes, it's Jean-Philippe Borel is at the top of the table in French, but there is also Cyril Rabacel, uh with the second chef, and there is also two young boys, very, very, very good uh, maestro. It's uh, Pierre Mion and Julien Medard. It's funny because these three boys, Cyril, Pierre, and Julien, uh, about four years ago, they, they were in the in the fencing French team. Yeah. They were athletes, so it's so interesting to talk about them because four years ago they were they were athletes. So now they are coached, so they know the difficulty of fencing, they know the difficulty of the competition, the stress, uh, every emotion. They, they are former athletes, so of course it's very interesting to share with them. Yeah, so their thoughts are really really still very current, what it's like to be a competitor. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds a, mm. sounds a great setup. Yeah. So what's a, a, a typical day of training involve for you? Um, uh, it's um, We train twice a day. Um, so it's at the morning it will be lessons. Uh, it's a very confidential and a, um, personal moment with your coach. It's only you and uh, you, you and your coach, and uh, we can share about uh, all the all the day or all the week or all the last competitions, or the future competitions. So it's very interesting. And in the morning we have also uh, preparation uh, physical. So it can be musculation. Uh, it's about one one hour, one hour and a half uh, of uh, preparation physical. And in the afternoon, sometimes it's um, it's uh, of per week. It's about four four matches, fencing matches. Yeah. Uh, so it's about twenty four twenty five hours per week uh, of training. Well, that's uh, that's a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. But I can also come the the rest and the, like yoga. It's a lot of things or meditation. So it's a lot of techniques, which very important. Also the naps. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important to sleep, and and it's part of the training yeah. of the routine. Yeah, certainly one of one of my friends who um, coaches some of the girls in the British squad said that uh, at the start of this season he noticed that the that the French squad looked really well prepared physically stronger and, and faster than he'd, he'd ever seen them before. And I think that's uh, that's down to the training that you describe. Yes, it's a good season for the French team and it's the best season. I think uh, we have uh, progressed together and uh, the experience in, in Rio we, we was very uh, impactful for us. It was very something because uh, with Brunet who finished fourth, I finished five. We lost in, against Italy in quarterfinals. So it was an experience very difficult for us. So we wanted to start uh, a new start. We want to, to do a new adventure together. And um, of course, when you, which you train with very good athletes, very strong athletes, of course, you can increase your level. So we are lucky to, to be together and uh, to have this team. And uh, every day we have to, to practice and to, to, be, um, to be great together. And uh, it's a hard of every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a work of every day. Now, following, the, following Women's Sabre this season, there's, there's been some changes at the top of the world rankings. Yes. Uh, a lot of younger fencers moving up to the top, uh, obviously, Jan yeah. Gregorian won, won the Olympics, uh, is now top of the world rankings, but joined by uh, your teammate Manon and Anna Marton, yourself up in the top top five or six. Um, is, is Women's Sabre changing? Is it you know, perhaps new names that are going to be dominating the sport? Uh, after the Olympics, every, every four years there is a lot of changes because some girls want to have a baby or to change our life. So of course there is a lot of changing in the top at the top of the world ranking, uh, but Egoyan wins the world championship, wins the Olympic games, and now she's at the top. She's when you look at her fencing, she's like an artist. She's like a painter, yeah. you know, with his blade, and it's very funny. But she's at the top during two or three three years now. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Martin too. Uh, she's at the top during two or three years too. So of course there was a lot of changing, but. Uh, Zagunis come back during the Chinese competition, World Cup. She, she finished three. Uh, Carolyn come back to the Chinese comp- World Cup and she won the competition. Yeah. So, uh, you know the best. I think in my category, there is about 50 girls who are very good, yeah. 100 girls who are very strong. And you know that you have five or six persons who are excellent. So, sometimes it will be a lot of time to change everything, but you can know this girl, Velikaya, Zagunis, Karla, Negorian, Martin, Brunet, you know? Yeah. 
of course she's at the top but uh, there is too many girls <laughs> yeah i think that shows in the results and that um hardly anybody you know always makes the top eight everybody will have a you know an off day where they got in the last 64 or the last 32 i think it shows it's really competitive at the top of the sport now yes it's a uh, it's um I, sometimes I compare my, my sport to, to tennis, to tennis player, uh, because uh, when you talk about uh, Velikaya, Zagunis, Karolan, Egorian, it's like you can talk about the Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. Yeah. It's some athletes who win like every time. Sometimes you have another athlete who can win, but there is this five or four or five girls who win very, very often, like always. Yeah. But it's an healthy sport, like you say, because uh, some Young girl like Brunet, for example, this year can win every time. And it's uh, the fencing, fencing sport, it's a crazy sport because if you are in a lucky day, if you are uh, in a good health, yeah. if you have uh, everything good in your life, in your mind, you can be the best for one day. Yeah. You can be the best during all your training, but the competition is only one day, 15 touch. It's so fast. So if you are good for 15, 15 touch, you can beat everyone. Yeah. You can beat uh, Velikaya, you can beat everyone. It's a, it's a crazy sport about that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, now, now, you've had your, a very good season yourself, a victory in, in New York. Uh, congratulations on that. I really enjoyed watching that. Thank you. And and uh, medals also in the, the first two Grand Prix of the season. So what was your what was your victory in, in New York like? I know you've won a World Cup before, but... Yes, in, in New York is different. Because New York is New York, it's crazy, and um, it's all also crazy because um, during the first uh, round, I was against an American girl. She was uh, incredible. She was um, uh, very clever on the pitch, yeah. and uh, I, I think she she beat me eleven uh, four. Right. <laughs> first one, I said, "No, oh, I I I have trained too much. I don't. The, the trip was long. I have to do something. I can't lose uh, during the first round, and I win the match. Very it was." So hard with my my energy, but now with my tennis, yeah. with my energy and my heart, I win this match. And after, it's like if there is um, a click in my mind, it, it, everything was easier. Yeah. I, but I win too much, fifteen, fourteen, so it was crazy. But it's like if two two minutes ago I was already dead, yeah. <laughs> I was almost dead, and now I'm still alive, so I can do something today. And I only think about pleasure about um like if i want to make some traps to my uh, opponent and uh, it was it was crazy um it was difficult at the beginning but during the end and i think the final against kim a great athlete a great korean athlete yeah. it was like i i win 15 11 but i was like in it was in a cloud you know i was flying on the piece and uh it was crazy in my mind i have Three ideas before my opponent. Uh, I have three traps before my opponent. It was crazy, and uh, when you can find this moment, it it's just crazy. I think I train every day and every week and every month for these feelings because it's crazy. You can it's like you found um, a maestro on the feeling, on the techniques, on the referee, on the audience. You can control everything, and it's it's very it's very rare, and that yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's very it's very good. That 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 phrase that uh, a lot of athletes use of uh, being in the zone, where every, everything yes, feels clear, clear. kind of kind of slower and almost easy, like it's not requires no effort, but you you feel in control in control of everything. Yeah, it's the flow. Yeah. I am. The, I was in the zone. Yes. Um, now, of course, New York and the competitions earlier in the season were fenced using uh, the three meter on guard line, the the Russian box of death. Yeah. Did Did you enjoy that, or did it always feel like it was um, going to change back? In fact, uh, in my life and in my sport and in my passion, I like when the, uh, there is some evolutions. When you try to do better, when you are looking for something. So at the beginning I say, oh, three meters, why not? Why not? Because I want to 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 see my sport going to evolution. So I try, and for me, uh, the first feeling is, ah, uh, we can make some more games, we can make some more traps, we can, we can make something else. It's not only simultaneous, simultaneous, yeah. simultaneous. We can do something else. And uh, during the training, during the competition, in the French team, we like that. Really, uh, we like that. Uh, we think it was very interesting for our sport. But uh, when I talk with strangers, 
uh, with other girls uh, in America or in Italy or in Germany. They dislike, but they were crazy about these rules. They, they hate these rules. And uh, I said, oh, I, I love I love my sport. I love to play with opponents who love the sport. So when I see that the other girls didn't like, I said, oh, may, maybe we have to find something else. But for me, it was good. For me, it was good because it was there is more games, there is more tactics, yeah. and we have to control yourself. You have to be less uh, explosive at the beginning. You have to be more clever. So for me, it was good. But I also like four meters. Uh, there is a little of changing, but now it's four meters. I agree with that. So I follow to practice my fencing. Just I like when the the referee or the athlete or the coach are looking for evolution. So it's a good idea. If now it's four meters, I keep the rule. It's okay. For yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. I must admit, I I quite enjoyed uh, the the change to three meter fencing. But most of the sabras that I spoke to. Um, didn't didn't really like it to be honest. So uh, they they were yeah. glad to see it changing back. Too many persons dislike this. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It's a pity. Aside from fencing, I, I was reading, I was doing some research about you before before this interview, and um, I found that you have you have a degree in in journalism and you worked in radio as well. Do you still do that? Uh, yes, um, I'm talking about um, in France. It's a famous radio in Paris, mm-hmm. in France. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Paris 2024. Paris 2024. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, for the Olympic Games. So every every week I'm trying to talk about the auditors to um, what if the uh, Olympic Games come in Paris, what will uh, change in our life? In our life, it means uh, in the life of your parents, your child, your grandparents. Yeah. So it's very good because it's a topic about healthy, economic, um, sports, of course, education. And uh, well, it's, it's very good to to talk about uh, what sense uh, if uh, we have the, the Olympic Games. It's very, very uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I would love Paris to get the, the Olympics. I think they would make a... You would make a fantastic uh, fantastic yeah. job of it. But, of course, I have, I have friends in Los Angeles as well who feel a bit different. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, we're reaching the towards the end of the season now with uh, with the final Grand Prix in Moscow this weekend uh, and then the European Championships yes. and and the World Championships so what what are your amb- ambitions and goals for the for the rest of the season um of course uh, win some matches because during the last competitions I lost uh, in first round in Tunis and um, it's one of my problems it's it's Sometimes I can do good things and sometimes I can do very bad things so my ambitions is very clear and simple it's it can be uh, stupid uh, in your mind, but in my mind, it's very something. It's I just want to to have some pleasure because when I'm free, when I I want to to have some pleasure and to to be better in my uh, in my fencing, to be clever, uh, I can practice a good fencing if the pleasure is at the top. So I know I can understand that when I say that sometimes oh, it's winning only winning, yeah. but. First, of course, first for me, it's pleasure and be relaxed. Because if I'm only thinking about winning, I'm sure I will be angry against me, against the referee, against everybody. So first, first of all, it's pleasure. And if I have pleasure, I will be, I will be better and I will sleep better yeah. too. So yes, my ambitious goal, first of all, is pleasure in Moscow and uh, I will see uh, what's happened after. Okay. So... Uh, I'm going to be at the World Championships in Leipzig, uh, along with my my, my yes. co-host in the podcast. So, right. what are your what are your predictions for the World Championships? What should I? It's the first time I've been to World Championships for mm, quite quite a few years. So, so what should I look forward to? I I love Germany first of all. Uh, they are very good to organize some competitions. So, for this World Championship in Leipzig, it will be great. If I have to make some prediction, I can see in the other weapons. That French will win a lot of medals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gold medals. And in my category, I I can answer. Of course, uh, I want to be. I want to see a French flag uh, at the top of the um, the podium. But uh, we will see. It's in sport and in fencing, particularly. It's so it's impossible to to have prediction about future. Uh, so we will see. I, I hope the. The more clever, the more um, uh, who, la- who, la- who wants to to make some risk, to gain, yeah. to to play, to to make some trap, will win. Yeah. And if I can be this person, I, it will be great. But I think yes, the more clever, have to win, and the more 
who loves more the game. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah. do, who want to play rather than just to win. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, that sounds great. Uh, well, Celia, thank thank you very much indeed for for joining me today. I've, thank I've you. really enjoyed it. I find it absolutely fascinating to talk to you. Thank um, you. Sorry for my English, but oh no, it's, uh, your your English was great and and much much better than my French. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I look forward. I uh, wish you good luck this weekend in Moscow, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Seeing you in Leipzig. Well, there we go. That's another good interview there. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought she was uh, absolutely fascinating to talk to. Yeah, she was good. She had a bit nervy, I thought, at the start, but I think she warmed it over the course of uh, speaking to you. A little bit tricky. I mean, we'd, we'd never spoken before we did the interview, uh, speaking in, you know, not her, not her own language. Yeah. But I thought really interesting stuff about the amount of training she does and how it how it works, uh, her sort of mindset for, for producing mm-hmm. the best results that, you know, folks are enjoying it. Yeah. And she said um, she said some interesting stuff about the fact that they all, obviously everybody in France trains at inset if you're on the team. Yeah. And she was saying that obviously they train with the with the with the boys as she put it. Yeah. You know. I said that some obviously some of the boys aren't as, as keen to do that as uh, as some are. You know, it's obviously a mix there. But she said she felt it was very important for her to train with them because uh, the guys are obviously faster and stronger. Yep. And that allowed her to up her game a lot more and obviously helps her in her international game. So again it was another good sort of insight into the into how some people like to think about their game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I quite enjoyed it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah me too. I, mean, I, I think it was one of the most enjoyable interviews that I've done as well. And I felt like a bit of a shabby amateur when I found out that she she records a radio show for the French <laughs> radio about, about Paris's bid for the 2024 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And suddenly uh, me sitting here having having a chat to her over the phone and, and recording it felt a bit a bit second rate. But she didn't seem too bothered, actually. No, <laughs> so, no, no. You'd be surprised. I mean, like, you'd be surprised from, from what I know about uh, the way that these things work. You'd be surprised at the, the different... The different levels that some of these so-called professional outfits work at. Yeah, I think so. I, I'd be less worried, but yeah, when you said when you said to her, oh yeah, you, you work in radio, I did think, oh, well. oh dear, oh, oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be badly showing up. Yeah, yeah. So she's really good. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoy speaking to her. That was brilliant. Um, so thanks, Cecilia. So on some actual fencing. Yeah. So uh, our first one is the Epi Grand Prix in Bogota. Yep, it certainly was. So um, Gab is our resident Epi expert. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've hardly slept for the, the last wee while, so <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. had lots of time in the middle of the night when you can uh, catch up on all, catch this up stuff. all this stuff. Right, so it, it, again, it was just a, the Grand Prix are continuing to be presented really, really well. Yep. Uh, this one, I don't know if you noticed in the video feed, I, I like to talk about the quality of the event that I'm watching. But when I was watching, for some reason, the quality was a little bit off. I noticed a few times a colour. I don't know if it was just my internet connection while I was watching it. But anyway, uh, again, again, just generally a good event. I think... Uh, Kareem was joined by an FIE ref this time, although I can't remember off the top of my head what his name was. Oh, now hang on a second. It was uh, Juliana Ranza. Ah, so it was, yeah. Yep. And uh, again, that was quite good. They were also having a bit of banter about what they were seeing in front of them. So the in terms of the actual uh, event itself, though, uh, I'll just start with the men's, I think. Hmm, yep. um, so we'll just, we'll, just sort of, we'll just sort of go through this. The the, the event was, was won by uh, Nikishin, and the person who came second was uh, Marco Fichera. Yep. And we mentioned him last time. Yeah, because he won uh, the World Cup before that, which was uh, Paris. That's correct. Won yep. in Paris, yeah. Yes. And we talked about his uh, his interesting style. Yeah. Now, Fichera, he beat Park in the semi? Uh, yes, he did. He beat Kyungdu Park. Yes, Kyungdu Park. Not uh, Sangyong. Yes, the other, the other park. Yeah. Uh, now, that was interesting because... When as I was watching it, it was fairly clear that Park was struggling to manage Vichera's uh, st- signature style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he misjudged the distance absolutely loads of times, going for hits that were that never yeah. looked likely to be on. Yeah, he was obviously not processing what was in front of him at all. Yeah, and the whole time I was watching this, I was kind of wanting to scream at him if I had been his coach, you know, just to chill out a bit and yeah, let let it develop a little bit. But it wasn't a case of that Vichera was the one collapsing the distance. Park just could not figure this out for love nor money. And anyways, Fichera actually just went on just to beat him and it was quite comfortable. Uh, yeah, let me just have a quick check. A uh, 15-11 in the end, 15, so yeah. So it's a quite a reasonably comfortable way. It was quite exciting when because there was quite a lot happening because Park doesn't hang around. And then in the, uh, the other semi, it was uh, Monzoni, which we mentioned... I can't remember if we mentioned him. We mentioned him in something. No, we will not have mentioned him at all because oh. he was world number 223, 223 going yeah, into this event. That, that so was actually, he's been to quite a lot of 
I mean, he's been to everything this season yeah. and produced Nothing. no results at all. Yeah. But yeah, obviously having a big day and that's why I mean semi finals. Yeah, we'd never. It was a big day out for the world two two three. Yeah, never <laughs> talked about so. this guy. Anyway, so uh, he was no match for Nakishin at all. So I think he'd be very very ha- happy with the semi. I, I mean, I would have thought so. He does have a, an odd looking style, really deep on guard position. Yep, and his hand absolutely miles forward. Yep. I, th- I think I commented on this to you, didn't I? Saying, yeah, you did. This, this guy looks a bit odd. You know, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't exactly fully complimentary about it. it no, was, uh, no. Yeah, uh, but we, get into the semi. Yeah, but, but get, get into the semi stuff. Like you've got to be happy with that. I suppose that's one of the one of the joys about Epi. There's no one one way to do it. I mean, there's there's room for a a huge range of different styles that you can make effective. Uh, well, that's kind of what I like about it is the variety of it you get. And we've had um, out of all of the events this year, we've had what eight different winners. Yeah. Uh, so it's not predictable in the slightest, I don't think. And ultimately, you can have the depth is really strong in Epi because you have to be very good to get anywhere at all in it. Uh, not only that, and that means you get a lot of swapping around at the top level. But at the end of the day, as you said countless times in the past, if it is your day, you're just going to chew through everybody and yeah. get to the top. And we've seen that happen a few times this year. So yeah, so it's quite exciting. And then we got to the final and. I didn't think the fact the final was as exciting as the semis. No, probably not. I mean, it was fairly patient stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, non-combativity called in all three periods. All three. Yeah. And it went to the final minute. And I think the third and final phase started one all. So nothing had happened, essentially, yeah, for right. nearly three minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then we had this sort of final f- furious uh, minute of fencing. I'm going to be honest, I still am not a fan of this at all. Now, you were saying that you think one of the reasons why there was maybe more of this called than normal is just because of the height of Bogota. But yeah, Bogota's, I think, roughly 3,000 uh, metres above sea level. So mm-hmm. the air is genuinely thin there, and it's it's extremely hard work just walking around, right. let alone fencing world-class yeah. fencers. Yeah. Um, so I think there may have been a bit of complicity amongst the fencers to say, Look, this is very hard work, mm-hmm. and trying to do this at full intensity for for nine minutes it's is going to destroy us. Yeah. So, if either fencer was looking at all uncomfortable with the idea of fully engaging in the fight, mm-hmm. they were, you know, willing to yeah. go right. We'll we'll bin that period off and move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, because there did seem to be more of that, and with with no real struggle from either side to try and change it. Yeah. So it made me think that maybe the you know, the setting for the event mm. made that, that a, okay, well, a, a better option for, for everyone. Well, maybe we'll give them a bit of a pass this time then. Uh, but we get to this final minute and it, it, the intensity does go up for this final minute. And the, the two fences do actually push for it. Now, uh, if I remember correctly, Bogdan pulls a couple ahead, goes 3-1 up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the final minute. Uh, Fichera pulls it back. It's now 3-2. It's getting a bit exciting now and I'm yep. getting quite interested in what I'm seeing. There's a bit of scrapping. There's only a few seconds left in the clock. Yeah. A hit comes up for Fichera. Everyone thinks, oh my God, he's done it because he has priority yeah, in this final level. Yeah, leveled at 3-0 with uh, not yeah, very with, long left. But a few seconds left, everyone's everyone's on their feet. And Fichera says, no, 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 I hit the floor. Yeah. And uh, you could hear the gas around about the hall because he actually checked it. They went to the yeah. video replay and sure enough, he had hit the floor. Yeah, because the referee actually already awarded the yeah, hit. Yeah, he was certainly... But the thing was, Fichera didn't, didn't wait to... You know, for any sort of query of it, as soon as he'd hit the floor, he'd gone in for an attack, he'd gone for a low line attack to you know, sort of hip leg level. Yeah. Hadn't hit. Yeah. Coming back, clips just off the edge of the piece on the floor, yep. light comes up. But exactly. as soon as he's back on guard, he's pointing pointing down to indicate that he hadn't hit target and it was hit yeah, the floor. Yeah. But the, the referee's hand's already up, awarding the point. Yeah. So clearly, everybody, I mean, even the kitchen obviously thought that the, the hit had landed because it was a pause. And you could kind of tell in the, in, in the sort of the body language of the two fences that whatever had just happened was a bit unexpected. Oh yeah, definitely. But it happens in Epi. You know, it does happen all the time. You, you go, oh, I didn't mean to get that hit, but I'll just take it anyway because mm. you know this is Epi. But fair play to Fichera, he fessed up to it with only a few seconds left to go in the final yeah. of a Grand Prix. And of course, he tried his best to uh, to get it, to keep himself in it, but Nakishin just managed to start to eke it out. And it finished seven four seven three seven seven three I think it was in the end yeah um, with so, with Fischer having to hurtle down the piece and try yeah, and, so try and I mean, make something happen. By the time that had happened, it was all over. In my opinion, anyway, there was no way he'd have to have been had, had a real stormer for like a second and a half. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, an epi you can go really quick. But anyway, never mind. Uh, so you know, two thumbs up to Marco. Well done, Mister Fischer. You you get the, the good sportsmanship award for if, if nothing else. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a good thing. I th- it's still sh- another very good result from them. I mean, that's um, 
He came second. He's won one. He came second. He's won one. He was was on the podium in Buenos Aires as well. So he's he's right up on top of the rankings now. Yeah. I was a bit sort of confused why there was a little bit of questioning at the end from the kitchen. He seemed to think that something had happened for Chera. The match is over and he's asking for something to be checked. Did you notice this? No, I didn't. He went over to the referee and was asking for something to be checked as though Chera had infringed on something, which seemed a little bit churlish because he's just won. Oh, um, right. And Marcus mm, is going to ah, go and, go and double check it. Uh, it sort of passed over and everybody moves swiftly on with the lies because it's all over. Who cares? But yeah, check it out. All right, I'll go back and have another look. Yeah, yeah. And then moving into the, the women's one. So the women's one, it was quite interesting. Right, so uh, onto the women's. Uh, what do we have? We've got, uh, well, in the first semi, it was Amezi Shashkovac versus Shinalam. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like the elder statesmen of this particular event because in the other half, we have uh, Kong of, of Hong Kong versus Santuccio of Italy. Yeah, two, two youngsters. Two, they're, they're quite young, if I remember correctly. Yeah, both very, very 20s, young. Yeah. yeah, so they're both. Are they still both juniors? No, 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 a, a little bit out. They're just out of juniors, so, yeah. So I'll just talk about the, the Kovac versus the Lamb fight first. It was, a, it was a little bit dull, if I'm honest <laughs> with you. Uh, I'm not going to mince my words because like, Shin Lamb's thing is to, to, to eke it out with time. To the very last second and win it. That's her thing. That's what she likes to do. Um, we all remember uh, seeing uh, seeing her crying on the piece. Remember, uh, in that famous incident where where nobody knew exactly what was going on with the clock. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's probably a bit of a shame for Shinala that that is what she's best known for. She's actually a very good fencer. She is a very good fencer. It's just not the most exciting fencing. No, it's I mean, it is is very you know, you know defensive. Pomelar. Yeah, very tall as well. Kind of stuff. Yeah. And There's no rush. Yeah, it's, she's not like her team, her other her male Korean teammates with their, with their massive work rates. And, no, definitely and, not. Quite, you know, quite, really quite but it's very different. And there's no, I'm not criticizing her because it's a very traditional way to fence with a, with yeah. a French grip. The the fight just went as regular fencing does. Somebody has a lead, somebody brings it back. Going into the third, uh, uh, Lam had a slight lead. Yes, yeah, uh, 6-5 up after the, mm-hmm. after the second period. Yeah. Uh, she ekes out a little bit, gets to the, the into the last period, uh, and then uh, Emezi brings it back a little bit, ties it, takes the lead, and wins. And that's essentially it. Yeah, uh, went to extra time. It was level at nine or what? Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. Um, yeah. At, at time. Uh huh. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. And then there was a flurry of hits. Like there is. This is the new fashion. We take it to the extra minute. And there's a flurry of hits. But again, like this, to me though, it wasn't the most memorable of uh, of semi-finals. It just it just did its thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. There's some nice fencing in there, but yeah, yeah. I agree. Not not yeah. a thrill a minute. But then, uh, and then the other side, we have obviously the the, the, the youth vote. Yeah, uh, we've got Kong of Hong Kong versus Santuccio, and uh, it was actually just, that was that was a bit more active, but more interesting. I really like the way Santuccio fences. Uh, quite short, quite aggressive, moves around quite a lot. Um, she has a sort of classic Italian way about her. I thought, uh, so she looked like she was always up for it, always wanting it. You know, Kong. A little more controlled, yeah. uh, taller, uh, really nice long attack actually. Yeah, uh, which Santucci coached with uh, coped with really well at the yep. start. Yeah, um, hit, hit with a lot of power post, mm-hmm. getting hold of the blade and doing all the things you have to do if you're a, a, a shorter apiest. Yeah, uh, and got got an early four nothing up, I think it was. Yeah, but um, then then she, then the, the, the opponent just came back. And yeah, second period um, dominated it after Kong, that one. Yeah, Kong up to a game. You know, much more urgent, much more pressing, yeah. making things, but, things but, happen but, more. Probably one of those moments where the coach said something appropriate in yeah. the minute, like, you know, this isn't working, just do that instead. You need, need to push a bit harder, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the yeah. sort of coaching summary. Yeah, and it, she came out, she was a different fencer and essentially just won it. Uh, yeah. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit more entertaining than the other semi, I thought. But So, so we get there, I mean, you know, Kong moves on into the final and goes up against... Uh, because up against the Shash I think you've under, undersold that semi-final, actually. Cause, okay. uh, that, yeah, I thought it was a really good comeback from... From Kong, because she was, as I say, four nothing down at the start. She was eight four down, mm-hmm. at the sort of beginning of the third period, um, and then she started coming up with a, a lot more variety as well as a long attack. She started hitting with counter time, started doing some power post remises, you know, a whole whole bundle of different ways of scoring the hit. And she went from eight four down to win fifteen nine. So that's actually a really thoroughly impressive run of hits. Oh, maybe I just best remember it because I just remember, I just remember she had a, there was a lead to the yeah. time. And then, and then, and then there wasn't, and then there wasn't, and yeah. then the, the person who overturned just won. It was kind of like a standard move, 
changing yeah. the momentum. No, it's a really big swing though. Much, oh, right. much bigger than oh. standard. In that case, I apologise to Colm because I can't have completely undersold it then. <laughs> yeah, I do apologise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gav's, Gav's probably not, not totally encouraged to go, to go watch that one, but, um, I would say you should because I thought it was a good yeah. fight. I mean, I, okay. Fair enough. I mean, in that case, uh, I'm going to say it was more memorable than the final in that case. Right. We'll just, I'm just going to... I'm just going to... Ah, okay. That really is damning with uh, faint praise, yeah. isn't it? Because uh, maybe, maybe I've just mixed this up a little bit in my mind. But in the final, we obviously have the, the more, much, much more experienced uh, Shashkovich against Kong. And it was uh, just a relatively standard uh, fencing bout. Kovac wins. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's nothing... There's, there was nothing that I particularly remember. I remember looking really pleased as usual. Yeah, being very really quite happy and smiling because I quite quite like that about her. She always just seems quite happy to be there in fencing. She always, and there's nothing bad about the way that you know some 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 fencing can be a bit moody and all that. Yeah, nothing no, about no, that. No, this no, is all quite like pleasant. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was quite a close fight. I mean, it was there was no more than a couple of hits in it for yeah. most of the way up to up to about thirteen all. Mm-hmm. But then Sash hits with a, a nice flesh to go fourteen thirteen up, mm-hmm. um, and then. At uh, fourteen thirteen up, uh, Kong looks to looks to go and start pressing, expecting Emma Sash to you know to retreat. Stop it, uh, and yeah. as, as soon as Kong starts moving forward, basically she just uh, steps in and hits her with a stop hit, yeah. just as she, just as her attack starting yeah. to get going. And that's that. Yeah. And that's that's just that's just experience that yeah. I know what's coming here and yeah. I know what to do. Yeah. And again, she won. I mean, that, that's uh, that's quite good going for her. So she'll be. I need to look up her ranking actually. Going to make a stab at about fourth. Yeah, I think she must be round about there. You know, yeah. she had a bit of a break and then she's come back again just in time for the World Championship. Yeah, exactly. So, and as as with the men's, that was also the eighth different winner this season in, in the women's epi. I love epi. Yeah. Well, oh, this one, this one is a slight. You know, we're not. There's nobody really unpredictable really turning up here. Maybe Kong and Santucho. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose the biggest surprise of the season was probably um, Anna Van Brummen winning. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, in China. Which which was a a bit of a left field result, and she hasn't really followed up with no, she hasn't with, with going close. Well, I think I remember saying that she was quite impressive at the time, but she seems to have only been impressive in that one tournament. So anyway, never mind. again, her offence are having their having their day. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I think the fact that you've got eight different winners in the eight events for both men's and women's does suggest that if you're wanting to uh, place a bet that will win you a fortune, mm-hmm. um, doing it reliably in AP is is not the way to go. Unless, unless you spread bet with somebody, with somebody included who's really, really <laughs> long odds who happens to win. But anyway, never mind. Yeah. Not, not, not that I would advocate gambling, by the way. No, absolutely not. No. Uh, and that's really it for the, uh, for the, for Bogota, which is a good event. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you check out on, uh, on YouTube, uh, what's next, Sean? It's time for more Sabre. Final, All final right. Grand Prix of the season. Brilliant. Tell me From about the Sabre. Moscow. Mm. So did you watch a lot of this, Gav? Uh, I meant to watch. That's, that's not what I asked. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't watch any of this. Didn't watch any of it. Well no. done. Okay, so I'll just crack on then and tell you, you what you happened. Just, you just crack, crack on. <laughs> you can always catch up later, Gav. I'll send you the links. Yeah, okay. Um, so, men's saber first. And two finalists from the, the previous World Cup in Madrid, uh, Max Hartung and Eli Dershowitz, uh, both out in the last 32. Uh, so, quarterfinals, Young Wan Kim of Korea, world number one, against Tiberius Dolnicianu of Romania. Uh, pretty comfortable win for Kim there, 15-7. Uh, Luca Curatoli of Italy against Daryl Homer. Narrow win for Curatoli, and to be honest, I still actually can't work out how um, how he did it, because uh, Daryl Homer looked well in control of things, was a long way up. Was that kind of blink and you miss it? Like, how, how did that happen? Um, yeah, uh, Daryl Homer was um, 13-9 up right, and lost 15-13. He just about managed to, you know, he had one two on the finish line, and and just seemed to stop. Oh, right, okay. It's and Kuro totally took he's his. Not, he's not someone who's prone to choking or anything like that either. So no, uh, not particularly. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, had it and then didn't. Other quarterfinals: Gubongil, Korea, another Korean beat the returning Alexei Yakimenko. I don't think this was actually his first outing of the season, maybe his second one. Uh, a thoroughly dirty scrap between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, two very experienced Sabras. Yep. Gu came out on top 15-10. Yakimenko must be vintage, not just experienced. must be vintage now. Is he quite as old as uh, no. uh, Montano? No, 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 no nothing maybe like not. I would say early 30s, but that, oh, right, okay. uh, yeah, don't don't quote me on that. Okay, maybe a bit harsh. Uh, not a kid, but not, yeah. not drawing his pension yet. Yeah. And final quarter final, Aaron Shalagi, double Olympic champion, mm-hmm. 
beat the, the up-and-coming young Korean Sanguko very comfortably 15-8. He actually made Ulu look properly clumsy in that fight. Right, okay. Uh, I mean, he's a big guy, but usually he, he looks like he moves really well. But mm-hmm. uh, Shilagi was, was all over him in that one. So, um, on to our semi-final lineups. Came against Kuratoli in the first one. Um, a lot of stuff happening in the middle of the piece, but quite quite a lot happening there. Uh, it wasn't just step, step, one, step, step, one, repeated, you know, tons of uh, tons of simultaneous, um, you know, looking, you know, parry reports from both sides. Kim, 8-5 up at the break, up again later in the second period, all of a nine up, and then a run of six successive hits again for Kuratoli. He seems to have got this knack of letting the guys get comfortably ahead and think they've almost won, uh, only to, to snatch it from their grasp. Kiritol is an interesting one there. He's I don't remember seeing his name up this this far this season. No, I mean he's had a, a sort of fairly steady season. I'm not sure that he's I think he may have meddled at one one competition right. this season. I would need to go back and check this actually, but my guess it would he would have been on the fringes of the top sixteen coming into this event. Maybe just maybe just mm-hmm. outside. Okay. But yeah, a good good variety of stuff from him. Not necessarily the most coordinated looking footwork. I mean he lacks some of the Fluency of some of, some of the more established names, mm-hmm. uh, very active, uh, and, and a good variety of stuff, and but some genuine power there. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that he was able to to match Kim in the middle of the piece, which okay. not that many people can do. Good good win there with a with a fifteen eleven win. Okay, from having been eleven nine down. Second semi final, uh, Shalagi against Gu. A lot more movement in this one. A lot more happening up and down the piece, less less in the middle. Kind of always the case mm-hmm. with uh, Shalagi's fencing. Um, and lots of different actions. It was really good stuff, from, uh, particularly from Shalagi, who was comfortably up um, at the break, 8-3. And Gu, like he was, he was struggling, actually. There was a few times when he went for a big, long attack, you know, Jay Shalagi down the end of the piece, comes up with his sort of almost trademark massive lunge, mm-hmm. and was almost sort of limping back to the own guard line, clutching his, his right, right knee, right leg. Right, uh, okay. looked like he was in a bit of pain. Shalagi looked well in control of things at, at eight four up. And then Goose scores a couple, gets back into it a little bit, makes a, a run of really good uh, video reviews, and it's one of those things where you you appreciate how important the video review can be in fencing now. Yeah, is that if he hadn't had those video reviews available to him, he would probably have lost the fight something like fifteen eight. Right. Instead, he gets a a run of them right. How many? To, to keep it close. I think there's probably about half a dozen. I mean, not, not exactly one after each other. Right. But fairly regular. There shouldn't be that many, in the, let's be honest. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's never a great sign for the, for the referee when no. there's that many successful video reviews. No. But as I say, how long? 10, 15 years ago, the fight would have been over and, yeah. and Goo would be out. Yeah. So great that that exists now yeah. to, to keep, keep the sport right. So like he's still looking comfortable. And eventually levels it at thirteen all. And by this point, point Shalagi's starting to look a bit twitchy. Understandably, yeah. uh, you've you know you've blown a big lead. You're back to level. But at thirteen all, he makes a an amazing counter post to to level. Sorry, to level at fourteen all. And you think, wow, that's an amazing hit. We're not going to see another one like those for a while. And then next hit, who scores with a counter post? Oh, I mean, right. How often, how often do you see a counter post in saber these days? But never. Uh, pretty much. But it's usually just a simple action. One. A yeah. chop, and that's it done, or a, a panty chop, you know, yeah, and you're done. That's, you know? that's about your limit. And then, yeah. there you get two, two successive counter reposts from there, two, two of the best fencers of the last, of the last decade. It was a really good finish to the fight. Cool. So, on to final, Kuratoli against Gu. Close all, all the way to this one. No, no big comeback from Kuratoli this time. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of hits being scored with attacks. Both, both were looking to try to score with other things as well, to look for the parry repost. Gu trying to, to make a sort of initial step forward. And then step back out again and, and take the parry in, in the middle of the piece, whereas Kuratoli was trying to break the distance and, uh, get away from Goose attack. And, and neither of them really could actually get that to work. So mainly attacks that were, that were scoring. Goose was 8-7 up at the break. I mean, you can kind of understand that because Goose lunge is, is massive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting away from that is pretty hard work. Uh, so level at 10 all, level at 11 all, level at 12 all. Goo finally gets it together to level at 13 all with, with finally getting a parry repost in the middle of the piece. And you think, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's cracked it. And then he mm-hmm. sets off for attack. Kuratoli goes backwards. And you think, right, I know what's ca- coming here. Yeah. Goo's going to hit. And finally, Kuratoli manages to nail one of his parry reposts at the all end right. of the piece, <laughs> uh, to go, uh, to go 14 13 up and finish it off with a, 
a really, really nice hit to finish. Making a really uh, neat stock cut to wrist to finish it off. Cool. So, you know, a good finish. And I, I think actually this was the probably the first event, you know, a relative novice at watching Sabre, but I think this was the first uh, main Sabre event that I've I've enjoyed at least as much as the women's. I've been far more impressed wow. with the women's Sabre fo- so far, uh-huh. but this was properly impressive. Um, Is this the one you recommend that I should definitely watch? In yeah. That case? Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, honestly, yeah, give it give it a try. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, commentary, commentary with this one. David King back in the microphone. Mm. Uh, mm. Nev- no, it's, it's not a good thing. But he was joined uh, for the final of the main saber by Benedict Wagner of the, of the German team. All right, okay. Uh, reigning, reigning European champion. He was really good, actually. Was he? I, I think they've had almost all of the German main sabers in the commentary box this season right, at okay. some point. And they all speak great English, offer loads of great tactical insight, uh, express themselves really well, likeable, mm. informative. Good. Yeah. David King, on the other hand, yeah, not so much any of these things. Someone's got to read the score. <laughs> that's true. And well, the things with Sabre, he doesn't even have to tell you the time. So that's half his work gone. All right. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. So anyway, on, on to the women's Sabre. A couple of people missing. Uh, Jana Igorian, Olympic champion in world number one, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't there, apparently nursing an injury and saving herself for the European Championships. And uh, USA's Itahash Mohammed uh, didn't make the trip either. Do we know why? I uh, didn't get didn't get any explanation of why. Just oh, okay. she wasn't there. A couple of departures early in the competition. Um, lovely Cecilia Berry that I'd, I'd uh. interviewed just a couple of days before she uh, before she left for Moscow. Went out in the last sixteen, uh, knocked out, out by her teammate fifteen fourteen. Bit of a disappointment. Yep. I was obviously hoping that uh, uh, I would have captured an interview with the eventual winner yep. just beforehand, but not to be this time. And Olga Carlan, who'd won the oh. previous Women's Sabre World Cup. Uh, was knocked out by Japanese fencer uh, Aoki in the last 16 oh, as well. Really? A little okay. bit of a surprise. And reasonably comfortable as well, 15-10 or 15-11 okay. as well. So wasn't wasn't happening for the, the magic that she brought mm. back to, oh, well. to Women's Sabre at the previous one had uh, uh, clearly worn off by the time she got to Moscow. So um, a quarterfinals, Anna Marton of Hungary uh, beat Anna Bashta of Russia really comfortably 15-5. Caroline uh, Turoli of uh, France had a had a hard fought win against Aoki, who mm-hmm. uh, put out Carl in fifteen thirteen, but got there in the end. Yon Kim of Korea lost very comfortably really against uh, Charlotte Lembach fifteen eight. And probably surprise one, probably the most surprising of the, the quarterfinals was that uh, Bianca Pascu of Romania beat Manon Bruni again very comfortably fifteen eight, one where uh, Bruni just couldn't seem to work out one of those fights where Try everything, none of it works, and the fight's over, and you have to go home. Yeah, well, it happens. It does. Yeah. Uh, so that was a first senior level semi final for for Pascu. So, so again, one of those right, okay. one of those ones where offense are having having the best of days. Yeah, brilliant. So semi finals, Lembach against Pascu. Nice party post from from Lembach, but you know Pascu still scoring regularly with her attacks. A mm-hmm. very very powerful fencer. Um, I hadn't hadn't seen her fence before. And Pascal was actually leading going into okay. going into the break at eight seven. And actually, it was interesting because our David King's co commentator for this one was um, Monica Aksamet. Oh, all right, yes, uh-huh. um, uh, USA Subar. Did I actually pronounce her name right there? Aksamet. Uh, yeah, name. I've struggled with it so often. I think I think because when you see it written there, you want to say Askamet, but yes, Aksamet. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Sure I've cracked it anyway. Yeah. I'm saying again, I'll not push my luck. Uh, and she did point out that uh, Pascal apparently is one of the one of the fencers who. Is known for either going early, right, going for a full start, or provoking another people. You know, you twitch and get somebody else to move oh, forward because right, okay. you think you're about to go. So I thought I thought it was an interesting little observation about you know fences who are known on the circuit for for doing this. All right, well, we've all got our tactics. You know, we will. We, you you know, whenever you see another fence on the, if you've seen them before, you usually go, oh, "This is the guy that yeah, does this. This is does the girl this. that yeah. does that." Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean. Monica was actually quite scornful about fences that, that, that do this. It was, uh, it was quite funny. So Pascu's, Pascu leading in the second period, but Lindbach, uh, took control of things from that point onwards, scored a, a run of hits, five or six hits in a row, uh, and eventually won, ran out with a, a 15-11 win, mm-hmm. uh, pretty comfortable in the end. And, um, what I've forgotten about, uh, Lindbach is she, she's, like, it's a really good shout. All right. Good, good scream at the end of the fight. Yeah. So, but still a good day for Pascu with a, you know, first, First senior medal. Oh right, uh, on to the final. Yeah, some good good parry post, more more good parry post rather from uh, from Lembach. It's a kind of feature of our fencing mm. that uh, you know 
taking part of the post in Sabre's hard work these days, which does it does it very well, but still fi- finding that hard work to do against Anna Marton's yeah. long attacks. I mean, John talked about Anna Marton being perhaps sort of physically less well-equipped than some of the other senior Sabre's at the start of the season, but that was something that was developing. Mm-hmm. But now her, her long attacks are full length of the piece stuff. Are, are the match so you think much she's clearly worked, worked on it and now it's up to spec yeah definitely yeah um, I mean in a lot of ways she's, she's the foreign fencer of the season okay. up to number two in the yeah, world rankings yeah. but yeah back just about edging things 8-5 up at the break and, and actually Martin looking thoroughly unhappy during the minute break having a good good rant to her coach mm-hmm. between periods never, never a good sign that's never a good sign no yeah now, and, and a little technical issue you were, you were complaining about I can't remember exactly what it was about something about the uh, production qualities oh, for, oh, um, okay. for Bogota was that um, in the second period the ref's microphone was out of sync with what you saw um, oh, on the screen. That, that happened at so, well, I can't remember what event that was at Turin I think it happened though. Yeah. Was it Turin I can't remember there was one where everything was out of sync the commentators were out of sync with yeah. the action the action was out of sync with the ref the ref was out of sync with everything. Yeah well this was just the, the action and the, and the referee and, but it was particularly disconcerting because at Sabre where you have, you have this possibility of false starts so Fences would come on guard, you'd hear on guard, and then the fences would go, and then you'd hear f- alley. Oh, oh, right, okay, so it gets. And that's constant. Oh, oh they've gone too soon. Yeah. Oh, so I find that, I find that quite distracting. But anyway, uh, leaving that little rant um, aside, Anna Martin drew level at eight all, so it was looking, looking quite close. Uh, but again, Limbach stretches away five, five hits in a row to lead 13 8, mm-hmm. sort of decisive break. And a really nice uh, skyhook hit to wrist to finish with. Really? Oh, Every, wow. Everyone likes to go out with a, a nice flashy a one. To, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a uh, 15-10 win. Um, and as I say, Monica Askett was a, a co-commentator. Really some good insight, but um, I think she probably needed a more engaging lead commentator. Cause to, to pull the information out of her yeah. to, so they could fire off each other. Yeah, right? and it, yeah, it, was, it wasn't happening. Oh, never mind. There you go. And the interesting thing, I mean, I mentioned that Anna Marton's been one of the sort of form fencers of the season. She she won in Athens, but this is actually her fourth fourth silver medal this season. Oh, so she's like always the bride, you know. All, always the bridesmaid. Always the bridesmaid, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Never the bride. Yeah, it's um, maybe maybe a little too early to, to worry about that too, too much because it does show tremendous consistency. Yeah. But you don't want to have that sort of conversion rate in finals for too long. No. And World Championships are just around the corner. Yep. So she doesn't want to have that mindset going into it where I'll oh, get a second, second, I'm not, second, yeah, second. I'm, not, I'm not winning these. I'm getting close, but yeah. yeah. Not quite. Mm, okay. Well, we'll see what happens. But if she is that consistent, though, you'd have to be putting, thinking that maybe she's going to be right up there at the end of the World Champs when that comes around. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it is a very consistent mm. season, but as I say. And I've said about other fences as well. Mm. Win more. <laughs> it's Poor my best bit of advice. Poor Max. Anyway, uh, yeah. Moving on. Okay, so that kind of rounds up the sort of regular season action from the the World Cups and Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Various zonal championships. Well, the first ones, the African zonal championships, started yesterday. Mm-hmm. European start next week. Pan Americans week after that. There's a slight slight overlap between them. All right. Okay. Uh, and then the Asian ones are. Are the last of them to complete. So all all the fencers then have a bit of a gap before the World Championships. Uh, well, we, we've been at the, the end of July. We've been at the Europeans before, and I've watched Europeans online. Yeah, but I'm not sure if there's anything for the African zones. I've not found anything, but there's not a lot of action there. I was looking at you know, what was it? it? Was women's epi and men's foil that were on yesterday? Right, and numbers are tiny. Uh, I think it was 16 fencers in the men's foil, 13 in the women's epi. Right, and it is one of those things that, and and roughly half the fencers in in those events have no world ranking points right, at okay. all. Okay. But they have the same ranking points on offer for winning winning yeah. the African zonals as it does for winning the Europeans or the Asians, which are which are obviously yeah. much stronger. So, so, the, 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 so the, there the, are some fences in maybe if you go to a world ranking any of the world ranking lists for seniors mm-hmm. and you can you can produce results by zone, click on Africa, look which fence which fences are ranked, and then look where they got their points. Yeah. And you'll you'll get fencers who are ranked just outside the top 50, having only got any points at the African Zonals for making like a, a third place or a last yeah. eight. Yeah, Africa's got to be a growth area for fencing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... Excuse the world rankings is the only thing. Yeah. Is my, my sort of 
my slight problem with it, I suppose. Yeah, because there's always a chance that you are denying much better fencers from elsewhere in the world as a result of this skew into Africa. Yeah, because yeah, the big hitters in Africa have got to be what Egypt and who else? Egypt, uh, Tunisia, some. Oh, Tunisia, obviously. Yeah, yeah uh, Algeria. There's not a couple of fences from Algeria. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Egypt's the closest to being uh, producing fences across all the weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you get little pockets of yeah. Tunisia, obviously, they've got some great fences. Yeah, I mean that's that's obvious. Okay. So anyway, so we'll we'll do a bit more of a, a look at the, the zonal championships in our in our next episode. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's tons of events. I mean, you're talking twelve events in each mm-hmm. zonal championship, so we're not going to cover everything. Yeah. So that would be forty events worth of fencing for us to try and cram in. But uh, any interesting stuff that crops up, we'll probably, yeah. probably pick yeah. that up. It's uh, yeah. is worth a mention, as well as having a, a look back over the the whole of the sort of regular season before before yeah. we get to the world championships. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard in the epi. There's so many been so many different winners. So many different people hitting into the last eight and last four. It's mm-hmm. going to be an absolute nightmare picking anybody out of that. Doing doing a summary of yeah summary yeah. of the season. Summary Even different always wins. Quite mixed this year as well. It has, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. So anyway, onto the main business of the day, the most important stuff, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Who um, is our coolest fencer? Coolest fencer on the planet. Mm-hmm. Right. So who's your first? Who are you go for first. Well, Luka Kuratoli, mm-hmm. winner of the men's saber in Moscow. I think I think that may have been a first senior win for him. Okay, fenced really well. Really enjoyed watching it, and the fact that you know his amazing comebacks in the the last eight in the semi final may have been one of the, one of the factors that finally encouraged me to to engage a bit more with with men's saber. Okay, um, and the fact that he, he outmuscled the Koreans in the middle of the piste as well, which is is no small feat, uh, both against Kim and and Gu. I yes. think that's that's certainly worth a worth a nomination. Okay. Definitely a first senior win for for Lembach in the in the women's saber, uh, and again thoroughly enjoyed that. I think I'm almost going to make that one of my things now. That whoever, whichever one of the women's sabers produces the produces the best performance of the day is going to get my nomination because I'm, as I say, I'm thoroughly enjoying <laughs> enjoying women's saber, and, and probably even more so now having spoken yeah. to Cecilia Berdy, mm-hmm. offered me even more insight into it. So yeah, loving my women's saber at the moment. Yep. Or Marco Fischera, he was on our shortlist last time uh, for his his win in Paris, but obviously picked by Richard Cruz. Didn't win this time, uh, but for his his act of sportsmanship and acknowledging that a hit that a potentially decisive hit, yeah, how um, many wasn't? Yeah, how many fencers, right? How many fences are going to first of all own up to that? You would like to think lots, but, but I, I know that's not true. <laughs> it's probably not true. Yeah, no. I mean, I won't go into the specifics, but I have actually seen somebody win a fight 15-14 and get a medal as a result because on the 14-all hit, he hit the ground, referee didn't see it, yeah. didn't own up to it. Yeah. You know, I have seen that. I've been standing outside in peace with uh, a bunch of other fencers all screaming, come on now, yeah, ref. Floor, floor, floor. That was yeah. on the floor. Now, I think it's incredibly impressive that he was possessed enough to immediately say, I've hit the floor. Yeah, there's no sort of consideration no. about it. It's just I've I've hit the floor. No, yeah. no, no. It's especially as the ref definitely was quite willing to hand hand the the hit out as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um. So anyway, I, that that particular thing gets a big thumbs up for me. So there we go. Okay. So because it's quite rare. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I'm not kidding. An epi, you need every single advantage you can get, uh, and I think every epi epist, if you were to ask them direct, I mean, I'm going to throw this one out to anybody who's listening to the podcast. Would you always own up? To getting a an extra hit that perhaps you didn't deserve. Well, how many epius epius in the crowd there? Well, you tell the truth now. Tell the truth. Have you ever had a hit that you didn't deserve? Hit the side, hit a box, something like that. Hit somebody else. Who knows? Yeah, hit yourself. Uh, hit yourself. You know, yeah. uh, and you've just kept your mouth shut when the referee awarded the hit. Maybe the other person didn't realise, and you've got that extra hit that you need to win. Uh, it'd be interesting having that discussion with a few people. Okay, so who are we going for then? Coolest fencer on the planet. Oh, my, my vote's going to uh, Fichera, because what a guy. Yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, he, fair enough. Uh, wins coolest fencer on the planet and uh, nice nice guy of the week award as well. Exactly. All, so, in, uh, all in one fell swoop. Well done, Marco. Well done. Yeah, so I think that pretty much uh, covers everything. I think so. Thanks again to our supporters on Patreon. Your your support and the money that you provide us with uh, helps us to do, exactly. to do more. It's more than uh, building me a swimming pool, let's put it this way. 
Good. How's the yacht coming along? Uh, the, the yacht is nearly finished. Fantastic. Yeah. I look forward to getting on to that. Uh, thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Lee and Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, marvelous support for them. Mm-hmm. And of course, you'll, you'll understand our, our re- recommendation for going and buying your kit from Lee and Paul. Well, they make good kit. Let's be is, fair. Is heartfelt. Uh, and I'm not just saying that just because they give me money to say that. <laughs> they don't give you money to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Calf. You've not got the hang of this at all. No, I've not. But seriously, no, I've always let's been. Be a bit- sure. Long before they gave you money, you were buying Liam Paul kit anyway. Yeah, exactly. I've got yeah. loads of Liam Paul kit. Yes. Yeah. Um, so don't forget to, to email us, particularly mm-hmm. about the, the dilemma of what happens if you get a hit for nothing in Epi. Yeah. Do you, do you fess up or do you just take the hit and, and walk actually, away? hang on a second. If you want this to be an anonymous story, I'm cool <laughs> with that. Tell me, tell me, come on, give me the juiciest story you've got. Okay. Um, so yeah, email us at defensingpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contact us at our Facebook, ha- oh, Facebook page, uh-huh, which is Defensing Podcast. Defensing Podcast on Twitter. At just Fencing Podcast. No, uh, Just Fencing Podcast. It's, no, no, Fencing Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, at Fencing Podcast to put it in Twitter speak. Yeah, that, that yeah. was slick. That was yeah. slick. Um, and we're on Instagram as well as Defensing Podcast. Yes. So that about wraps up for now. So until next time. That's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Uh-huh.